Anyone know what takes 119 and a half seconds? 119.5 seconds. Anyone know? You're too, too shy to admit it if you do. Any guesses? <laughs> no, no. Um, any other guesses? <laughs> no? No one know? The length of time required to pour the perfect pint of Guinness. According to the advertising geniuses in Dublin, 119... In fact, why isn't it just two minutes? 120 seconds. No, 119... In fact, it's 119.53 seconds is what they say uh, to pour the perfect pint of Guinness. And, of course, their slogan is, good things come to those who wait. Yeah, that's right. So uh, if you've been here the last few weeks, we're working our way through this great list of the fruit of the Spirit, which are these virtues which um, Paul describes um, are what happens in the life of the Christian believer when we allow God the Holy Spirit to come and do a bit of planting and pruning and watering and weeding and cultivating, um, then uh, these uh, fruit will grow. And we're in week four um, of nine, which means that this morning we're talking about patience or forbearance as it is in that list. Um, So patience, but the trouble is, and I really hope you'll agree with me, that patience... um, doesn't happen by itself, by nature. We, we lack patience. Is that just me? I think hopefully that's probably all of us. Um, just like a garden left to itself doesn't produce uh, a beautiful vegetable patch, uh, requires cultivating. And so the, 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 the human soul, what, what Paul describes in Galatians 5 as the flesh, the sinful nature, tends to become spiritually overgrown and covered in thorns and thistles and weeds, which is that rather unpleasant list which preceded the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, so by nature, we, we aren't particularly patient, are we? I think that's probably fair to say. I've been a barman. It is pretty annoying when somebody orders a pint of Guinness. In fact, when somebody orders a pint of Guinness after a long round of drinks, and there's actually nothing more annoying than somebody ordering a great big round of drinks, and then I say, is that everything? And they say, oh, actually, also, can I have a pint of Guinness? And you think, oh, for goodness sake, why didn't we have the pint of Guinness at the start? It could have been on the bar, settling whilst the rest of the drinks were poured. Now we've got to wait 119.53 seconds. Nothing more annoying than having to wait for things because we're not patient uh, by nature, especially not in 2023 when everything's at our fingertips, isn't it? Everything's on demand, instant access, buy now, pay later. We've got instant messaging, and we send somebody a message, and it's there instantly, and it even tells us whether they've read it or not. And then we've got to wait for the answer that they come back with, and we're thinking to ourselves, well, I've seen that they've seen the message. Can't they see that I've seen that they've seen the message? We've got to wait for them to come back to us. We hate slowing down on the motorway when it's average speed check, 50 miles an hour, and uh, we think, they're not even doing any roadworks. Why have we got to go so slowly? We just bought an air fryer this week. Anybody got an air fryer? We, we, we don't want to wait for the oven to heat up. We want to be able to cook our food quicker. Um, and even when we do slow down, and we think, oh, I'm going to put my feet up, put the kettle on, have a cup of tea. Do we wait for the tea to brew properly? No, we're mashing the bag around in the mug. Brew faster. Uh, we, we don't have patience naturally. Well, those are all... Um, Trivial examples, but 
Perhaps you're having your patience tested uh, in a more serious way at the moment. Maybe you're waiting for something, waiting for the right person, waiting to start a family, waiting for your career to go in the right direction, waiting for a promotion, waiting for healing, physical healing or emotional healing, waiting for an answer to prayer, waiting for a loved one who you've been praying for for a long time to come to faith. Maybe your patience has been tested. But the fruit of the Spirit, it says here, is patience. We all know patience is a virtue. We don't like waiting, but maybe we'd like to be better at it. How can this fruit of the Spirit grow in our lives? I really hope that this is a practical series. And I think that Psalm 130, which we're going to look at now, it is very practical. It's a prayer. All the Psalms are prayers, but it also, I think, gives us a model for us to follow. If we want to see the fruit of the Spirit of patience grow in our lives, then we could do worse than to follow the model of this prayer in Psalm 130. It gives us three things that I want us to think about this morning. Almost a progression that will produce the fruit of patience. Psalm 130 encourages us to cry to the Lord, to look to the Lord, and to wait for the Lord. Cry to the Lord, look to the Lord, and wait for the Lord. First of all, cry to the Lord. Have a look down. Verse 1. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. So the first thing that the psalmist does is to cry to the Lord. He gives the situation over to God, as it were. And I don't know about you, it strikes me that this psalm isn't particularly British. Uh, I think if, if this was a British psalm, it probably wouldn't involve crying. Um, you know, it might start, out of the depths, I, you know, kind of did my best to hold it together. Uh, out of the depths, I kept a stiff upper lip and bottled up my emotions and did my best to keep calm and carry on, all the while growing increasingly bitter and resentful, maybe. That's not what he encourages us to do. No, out of the depths, an acknowledgement that he's in the depths in the first place, but out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Cry to the Lord. We don't know who wrote this psalm. It doesn't tell us. Often they do. King David famously wrote about half the psalms. Um, But this actually is typical. This might have been King David who wrote this. It doesn't say But this is typical of the sort of thing which does crop up again and again in the Psalms. Keep a finger in Psalm 130, but if you flick two pages on to Psalm 141, here's one of David, Psalm 141, a Psalm of David, it says, I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me, hear me when I call to you. That's how David prayed. Or over the page, Psalm 142, another one of David's, I cry aloud to the Lord, I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. What a picture. Before him I tell my trouble. Or Psalm 143. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. And I just think that's extraordinary that here we have David, King David, one of the great heroes of the Old Testament, the greatest king of Israel there was. David who killed Goliath, the man after God's own heart, who has the copyright to the six-point star, that David is here crying to God. Why, why is he crying out from the depths? Well, actually, it tells us what depths he's in. Look at Psalm 142. 
It says a masculine, whatever that is, of David, written when he was in the cave. Now, if you know the story of David, just by way of sort of illustration, I suppose, you know, before he was King David, he'd been promised, he'd been made this great promise, he'd been anointed even by Jesse and told, you're going to be the king of Israel. But fast forward how many years, and he, that promise hadn't come true yet. He, was, he, he wasn't king. And in fact, the current king, King Saul, was still very much you know, on the throne and not going anywhere. In fact, uh, the person who told King David that he was going to be king, conveniently, was dead by this point. And uh, so David is hiding, fearing for his life, living in a cave. And you must have sort of wondered, if you were King David, well, it wasn't king by that point, you must have wondered, is that true? Was God good for his word? Is his promise really trustworthy? Because it's been all this time that he's had to wait, and his patience was being tested, and he was in the cave. All was not what it was supposed to be. And maybe this morning, you're feeling similar. Maybe there's been a promise made to you. You felt God has promised something and it hasn't come about yet. Maybe your patience is being tested and you're wondering, is God good for his word? I think that's so encouraging. I think it's so encouraging that this is in the Bible. That the fact that the Bible doesn't pretend that things are going to be rosy all the time. That it's all going to be plain sailing. I mean, King David was in the cave. And actually, a third, a full one-third of the 150 psalms are laments. A third of the psalms are going, God, why is it all such a mess? And I think that's so encouraging because it gives us permission to go to God and pray that kind of prayer as well, and out of the depths to cry to him, to do as David did in another one of his psalms and cry, how long, O Lord, am I going to have to wait? So maybe you're in that kind of situation this morning. Whatever it is, maybe there's a particular person who is severely testing your patience, who's just been really difficult, or some situation, and it's just infuriating, or just making you so downcast, or it just seems that there's no end, it's never going to end, or maybe there's some problem which just keeps returning, and you feel your patience is at breaking point. Well, the first thing to do, back to Psalm 130, out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Tell the Lord, don't bottle it up, cry to the Lord. But, secondly, uh, he doesn't stay there. He doesn't stay wallowing, as it were. Once he's got his situation off his chest and onto the Lord and his mercy, secondly, he looks to the Lord. First of all, cry to the Lord. Second, look to the Lord. Look at verse 3. He goes to the Lord. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness, so that we can with reverence serve you. Talks in verse 3 about a record of sins. Can you imagine how awful it would be if you had access to that record of your own sins? All the things you'd ever said and done and thought word and deed through negligence through weakness through your own deliberate fault imagine if there was a file or a folder or a videotape or something with everything you've ever done wrong how depressing that would be to actually see in one place all your sins 
Or imagine if, if mine, imagine if they came up on the screen behind me now and that everything I'd never known all my life, just even the past week, to be honest, imagine if everything I've done wrong, the video kind of just, you know, like the highlights, the lowlights reel just kind of came up behind me now. Or maybe just the audio recording of all the things I'd said or thought. You know, uh, maybe if there was an inner monologue had been kept, they can do that now with AI. I saw a documentary about it this week. They can read your thoughts. That's not far away, apparently, according to technology. Imagine if you're going to hear the things that I have thought over this past week. No way would I be standing here in front. If, if you kept a record, it says in verse 3, Lord, who could stand? Answer, no one. But, verse 4, with you there is forgiveness. Jesus Christ on the cross, this is the gospel, isn't it? Jesus Christ on the top cross took that record upon himself. He said, I'll step in. I'm going to take that tape or that video or that folder so you don't have to. He didn't stand, did he? In fact, he was crushed. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. So that we, the great transfer could take place and we could have his perfectly clean, righteous record. That's amazing. With you there is forgiveness. Why is the psalmist talking about sin and forgiveness? What's he doing? I think he's reminding himself of God's patience towards him. He's reminding himself of God's patience towards him. We had our confession earlier, you know that bit, oh, let's be quiet and just think of the sins over the course of last week. I don't know what you confessed, you have to tell me. Um, uh, what, what the things that you said or done or thought over the course of the last week maybe nothing came to mind which in itself is only an indictment of how sinful we are that we deceive ourselves and say that, that, that there's no sin in, in me um, but maybe if you're anything like me that moment of confession was to bring to God something which we actually have already brought to him for forgiveness before it's the same thing again can you imagine if we approached God and said, oh God, I'm so sorry for this same thing again. And imagine if he just went, again? Not again. You know, I forgave you for that last week. But he doesn't do that. Because he is patient with us, isn't he? Think of how patient the Lord Jesus was with his disciples. You know, again and again, making the same mistakes. And they come to him and say, uh, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? You know, seven times, they think, oh, that's, you know, that's really patient if I forgive him seven times. And, and Jesus says, no, 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 70 times seven. In other words, you know, come on. But you think, how many times has he forgiven us the same thing? In fact, if we go to God, and not just week by week, but day by day, we're supposed to be living a life of turning to him in repentance and having faith, asking for forgiveness of sins. 70 times seven, 490, I looked it up, can't do that kind of maths in my head. 490. Um, that's only less than a year and a half, isn't it? Of days of being a Christian. You know, we're going to get through those 490 pretty quick, isn't it? Because the Lord has got patience with us, you and me, coming back to him again and again and again. If he kept that record of sins, you wouldn't be able to stand. But with him, there's full forgiveness. There's an amazing bit in Peter's second letter. Peter, somebody who knew the forgiveness and the patience of the Lord Jesus, isn't he? constantly putting his foot in it. He wrote this letter to, uh, in, this, in, in 2 Peter, he's got this amazing bit where he describes the patience of God. And it's in the context of the second coming. Now we believe, in a moment we're going to say the creed, 
and we'll declare together our faith in the bodily, physical return of the Lord Jesus to come to judge. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. That's what we're going to say. I don't know whether you believe that this morning, that Jesus Christ will return in the flesh to inaugurate his kingdom and judgment day will happen. A lot of people don't, uh, but Christianity teaches that. But of course, many people think, well, that's a rather quaint idea, but it's been rather a long time, has it not, since uh, Jesus made that promise. Probably not going to happen. A lot of people scoff at that idea. Well, let me read to you from 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter said, we're about turning to this, but 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter says this. He says, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing, and they'll say, where is this coming that he promised? Hasn't happened 2,000 years, it's not going to happen. You're not going to come, they're scoffing. Peter says, don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. That is patience, when a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Isn't that amazing? What a thought. Why hasn't Jesus come back yet? He's waiting for us. How good is that this morning if you're a Christian? Aren't we grateful that he hasn't come back yet and he waited for us to be able to come to repentance and to accept the clean slate, the the, the forgiven record, the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus? Maybe we haven't done that yet. Maybe we're on the fence about Christian faith. No time like the present. He will come again, at which point final whistle will blow, time's up. That that's when, you know, the end is going to come. But the reason it hasn't happened yet is because of his patience towards us. So let's cry to him, firstly. Let's look to him, remember his patience. But then thirdly, when we realise that when we see the character of God and his patience, that's what's going to produce patience in us. When we, we realise that we've been on the receiving end of divine patience, that's what's going to till the soil and plant the seed that will water and put down the roots and bear the fruit in our own lives when we see the patience of the Lord Jesus towards us. That's when we'll be able, thirdly, verse 5, to wait for the Lord. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. It's so clear where he lands up in this psalm, isn't it? With waiting. And having sort of told himself, I'm going to wait, this is how I'm going to wait, he tells everyone else, Israel, verse 7, put your hope in the Lord, with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption, he will redeem Israel from all our sins. Wait for the Lord. Look how he waits for the Lord in verse 5. My whole being waits. Active, isn't it? What does he put his hope in? In his word, I put my hope. Think back to King David in the cave, holding on to the word, the promise. What does that hymn, Amazing Grace, says, um, the Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope, secures. I love that picture in verse 6, don't you? I wait for the Lord more than watchmen. Wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Imagine how eager the watchmen are on the walls waiting for the morning to come. 
depending on what you're waiting for is how, you know, uh, how, whether you want it to come or not depends how you're going to wait. I think of waiting for the bus. I was thinking um, uh, when we were at school, I used to hate going to school, and the bus would, we'd be waiting for the bus. Oh, the bus is coming. We well, didn't want the bus to come. In fact, there was a, I don't know whether it was true, whether it was just a rumour, but there was a thing where if it was a certain time late, I think it was 20 minutes, if it was ever more than 20 minutes late, well, you can go home, have the day off school, don't need to get the bus. And we would wait. We were actually waiting for the bus not to come. Oh, and then it would get to 17 minutes. It's not going to come. We're gonna, this is going to be the day we're not going to go to school. 18 minutes, 19 minutes. Oh, and then the bus would come around the corner. Oh. Contrast that with waiting for the bus yesterday, where we got on the bus and went to Bath with Fred and Connie. Fred and Connie at the bus stop in the marketplace waiting for the bus. The bus is coming. I think I can see a bus. No, that's not our bus, Fred. That's the X31. We're waiting for the 272. Is that our bus? I can see a bus. Oh, my word, the excitement with which he was waiting for the bus and it came around the corner. It's a double-decker! Oh, my word, we were on the top deck. I felt so sorry for everybody else who was on the top deck of the double-decker bus. The eagerness with which he was waiting for the bus. I mean, that's the picture, isn't it, in verse 6? I wait for the Lord more than, more than Fred waits for the bus, more than the watchmen wait for the bus. Imagine how eager they are for the morning to come out of the darkness and the cold and the danger of the night, but for the warmth and the safety of the day, which surely, as day follows night, will come, just as surely the sun will rise, so his promise will be true for us. Israel, verse 7, put your hope in the Lord. I mean, just think of the Old Testament saints of Israel. They were all waiters. They all had to wait, didn't they? David, we've mentioned Joseph. Think of him having to wait in prison for something he didn't do for 13 years. Or think of Abraham, you know, you're going to be a father of a great nation. When? 25 years he had to wait for that. Or Moses, you're going to be redeeming the people from Israel. 40 years he had to wait tending the sheep in the wilderness. And then another 40 years, you know. Or, uh, or Hannah in the book of Samuel who had to wait year after year after year. It says praying and fasting. Or Anna in the New Testament waiting for the Messiah to come, fasting and praying. 84 years it says that Anna waited I don't know what you're waiting for. What is exercising you or what's testing your patience? But verse 5 says, in his word, I put my hope. Verse 7 says, with the Lord is unfailing love. With him is full redemption. He himself will redeem. But it may be that whatever it is we're waiting for, whatever it is that we're putting our patience towards, that it might just have to wait until that full redemption, which isn't going to come until this side of eternity, isn't going to come until the other side of eternity. And that's what we're going to have to wait for. I mean, think of the great summary of the Old Testament saints in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. There's an amazing chapter about all these saints living by faith, Abraham and Moses and all those people. And it got this chuck-away sentence... All these people, it says, were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. That might be us. We may be still waiting when we die. We may have to wait for full redemption, verse 7, until that day when he will come again to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. 
And I think, and maybe the word patience, we're going to pray in a second, but maybe the, the word patience for me sort of tr- brings up these trivial examples. Maybe we're thinking about traffic or children or neighbours or something which are testing our patience. But I think surely if we're able to wait for that big thing, the full redemption, the kingdom to come in all its fullness, doesn't that mean that if that, if that big thing is in place, then those little things, you know, won't they take care of themselves? Won't that till the soil and bear the fruit of patience in the meantime? I think, I hope so. Let's pray. We're going to do those three things. Let's just be still for a moment.